Welcome to episode 71 of the Rich Roll Podcast with Adam Scully Power. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey people, welcome to the show. I'm Rich Roll. I am your host and this is the Rich Roll Podcast. No, you are not being Rick Rolled, but yes, this is a podcast. What kind of podcast, you ask? Well, health, fitness, for sure, but oh, so much more. Each week, I bring to you the best, most forward-thinking, paradigm-busting minds in entrepreneurship, health, fitness, wellness, diet, nutrition, spirituality. I cast a broad net. Uh, Basically, my only rule for guests is, are you living an inspiring, authentic, and extraordinary life? Are you of service to something greater than yourself? And can we, can I, can we benefit from what you have to offer? And in return, it's up to you. You guys, you take the tools, the messages, the inspiration that resonates with you and implement them into your life with a focus on implementation because osmosis is not going to get you there. This is a two-way street, people. And hopefully you, me, and the world, we all become better as a result. That's my goal, pure and simple. Today on the show, we've got the great Adam Scully Power. Who's Adam Scully Power? I've never heard of him. Well, I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, But before I do, I wanted to uh, address a particular thing uh, that's on my mind. As as I'm sure everybody knows, this past week, uh, we lost the great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, another life taken too soon uh, from the harrowing ravages of addiction, uh, a disease that, uh, that I, of course, for better or worse, uh, am all too familiar with. It's so tragic, uh, and it's also, um, you know, due to media coverage and social media, it, it becomes this other thing, this tabloid wet dream gift of a story that, that is exacerbated by the extraordinary, wondrous, and, and incomprehensible singular talent of, of a guy, a star, an actor so prodigious that, you know, essentially hyperbole is, is impossible when describing him. And, you know, every day people die from this disease. Every day. It just so happens that uh, because of his uh, enormous talent, uh, it, 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 it begets so much coverage. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't know Phil. Well, actually, you know, scratch that. I, I actually did know Phil, kind of. We weren't friends. Uh, we did meet on several occasions over the last 10 or 15 years. So I, I suppose it's fair to say that, that we were acquainted, but even that sounds weird. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. And, you know, when these things happen, these tragedies, usually I just, uh, you know, I numb out. I'm a guy who is generally kind of incapable of summing, summoning up that typical pantheon of tears and grief and empathy that's catalyzed by this kind of event. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like turn to stone, unfortunately. Uh, this emotional numbness, and, and I don't know why. Uh, you know, I do know that, that the way that I often respond and react to these things, you know, makes me feel weird. It's sort of like... I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's a feeling of almost feeling subhuman. Like, why don't I have that depth of emotion that other people seem to have about these things? And, and you know, it, it kind of leaves me feeling alone once in a while or separate from other people. 
but uh, this time I have to say it's really different. You know, I've been bereft uh, the last couple of days and uh, why you might ask would this occasion be different? Um, and it, it, it has to do with the fact that I'm very close with uh, Phil's brother, his older brother, and, and, uh, and I'm also well acquainted with his mother uh, and Gordy. Philip's older brother, uh, has somebody who's played a big part in my life. He's somebody who, when I was very down and out uh, and kind of at the end of my rope, uh, held out a helping hand and, and has been a guiding force in my life for many, many years. And, and so my grief, as much as it is for the, the passing of this, you know, this wonderful talent, it's really for, uh, for Gordy, for his mom, and, and for you know, Phil's partner and his children, who, who I don't know and probably will never meet. But anyway, I just wanted to uh, you know, address this. And I think also that the depth of my emotional response to this is as much um, a gratitude response for this incredible, amazingly full and rewarding life that I now get to freely enjoy and, and all too often take for granted. Uh, and th- this crucial kind of almost incomprehensible role that, that Gordy has played in it. Uh, so if you're struggling, this is my message. Uh, if you're struggling out there with an addiction problem, with alcoholism, you don't know where to turn. I want you to know that there is an exit out of this prison. You don't have to continue to suffer the ravages of this horrible disease. And, and I personally am happy to connect with anyone who genuinely needs help and, and is seeking help. So please reach out to me through the website or find somebody in your orbit that you can talk to and don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you do, you might be amazed at how much your life uh, will change. And I think the other thing is the interesting sort of response on social media to this event. I tend to sort of uh, assume that most people understand addiction the way that I do. And it's been interesting to see that, that there still is a lot of, uh, misinformation out there and and kind of this weird reaction of whether he was selfish or whether he, you know, had a choice that he made and he made the wrong choice. And what you have to understand is that this is incredibly powerful and that locomotive uh, for him pulled out of the station quite some time ago. And so although he may have had a choice at some point in the distant past about certain actions that he was taking, by the time uh, he was in that apartment, or even over the last, who knows how long, you know, weeks or whatever, uh, that choice was almost seized from him. And uh, that is the powerful, incomprehensible grip of this disease. And so I'm just feeling it right now and wanted to kind of address it. So, all right, enough of that. Uh, rest in peace, Phil. You, you will be uh, deeply, deeply missed. Today's show, uh, Adam Scully Power. Never heard of him. Okay, fine. That's a shame. I hope to change that. He's, uh, he's an extraordinary dude. Um, and I have to say, talking to this guy and getting to know him a bit was almost like looking in a mirror. I have never met somebody with a story so incredibly similar to my own. I mean, this is a guy with a corporate job. He works in the investment field. He's got four kids. And uh, he just turned 40. He's out here kind of on a vacation with his family. Um, but, uh, you know, not too long ago, like a year, year and a half ago, he hit, you know, a midlife malaise, 50 pounds overweight, uh, and decides to make a a life change. He ends up adopting a plant-based whole food diet. And essentially what transpires as a result of that is, is pretty miraculous. He becomes this crazy ultra running phenomenon. And, uh, this last summer he ran all the way across the state of Massachusetts, a 163 mile run. 
Um, and he's going to come and tell us all about that and his trajectory, his journey, how he got to where he was to where he is now. His story is so similar to mine that at times during our conversation, I was just like, dude, I clone myself. It was crazy and amazing to hear his experience, uh, how it relates to mine and, and how it's different. Uh, and it's emotional. It's real. It's authentic. In short, this episode is flat out already one of my favorites and sharing stories like his, like this one, are exactly why I started this podcast. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm going to tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go. And it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection 
worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple, search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. All right, you guys. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Adam Scully Power. So I guess it was about... How long ago was it? Maybe nine months ago, a year ago, where I get this email from Brian Wendell, who's the executive producer of Works Over Knives. And he's like, hey, man, you got to check this guy out, Adam Scully Power. He's got a great story. And uh, there was an article about you. I guess it was ESPN.com. Yeah, it was, God, it was probably six months ago now. And six yeah. months, right. Yeah. And I read this article, and I was like, oh, my God. I've never read a story about another person that was so similar to my own story. Like the, the, the amount of overlap was almost ridiculous. Yeah. The, you know, they, the article went out one morning and, uh, it, the whole thing was like a fanfare to me. I was literally sitting in a meeting and my phone just starts pinging, like, you know, vibrating, blowing up. And, uh, so I, I said to the person, I said, can you excuse me for a second? I want to make sure one of the kids wasn't hurt. Uh-huh. So you were, were you at work or something? I was, I was at work. Yeah. Right? And so I, I checked my phone and people are like, dude, you gotta go check this article out. And it was, uh, I, I didn't even really know it was, it was going to come out. I had talked uh-huh. to the person about a week before the, uh, the, the folks at the pan mass challenge were sort of promoting what, what I was doing. And so they, they told the story. And a guy had called me, asked me a bunch of questions. Uh, he said, you know, I might write an article and, you know, it might come out. And I didn't even know it was going to launch that morning. And it just just kind of blew up that day. Right, right, right. Suddenly your world gets turned upside down. Yeah. I mean, folks, most most of my friends, people I work with, they didn't even know what I was doing. So mm-hmm. 
I kind of kept it a little bit quiet because I didn't know if I'd be able to finish. Right. Well, yeah, it's it, that's the that's the thing. You know, you go too public about it, then your your successes and your failures are on a bigger canvas. You I know, suppose it, it, it got out there, and so it was uh, <laughs> definitely <laughs> did. I think Brian and then Brian put it in the Forks Over Knives sort of email newsletter, and like I don't know how many people subscribe to that, but there's a lot. You know, so well, you know, it's it's funny. Like my phone rings that day, and uh, you know, I, I get a call, and he's like. Hey, I just read this article about you on ESPN, and they talked about forks over knives. Y'all watched the movie. He's like, "Tell me your story." So I kind of walked him through the story, and he's like, "Dude, that, that's, that's unbelievable. It's changed mm-hmm. your life." And I said, it's, "It really started right there at that movie." Mm-hmm. So let's walk it back. Um, you know, your uh, you know the similarities again are so profound. I mean, you got four kids. You're corporate executive. You know, focused on climbing the corporate ladder, doing all the good, you know, sort of just living the life that we're all sort of, you know, trying yeah. to live, right? Like yeah. what, you know, how long ago are we talking now? So you just turned 40. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. I'm getting, getting old, but I, you know, I turned 40, but I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life, which mm-hmm. is, it's kind of a weird place to be. But, uh, so going back, it was, you know, it was, uh, probably about 18 months ago. And, uh, you know, I've got four kids, um, you know, used to work out years ago is, you know, what I considered, you know, a decent athlete, Mm -hmm. but you You play like typical sports in high school, uh, high school. I wrestled in high school as captain of the football team, you know, all that. And, Uh um, where'd you grow up? Uh, actually I'm originally from Sydney, Australia. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Moved here to the U S, um, because my father's work. I was still pretty young and, and grew up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no accent. No, I've been here a while now. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, so we're, we're uh, you know, I was working hard, four kids running around, you know, a lot of client dinners, eating out, the weight kind of packs on, you know, mm-hmm. and not working out that much. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm looking through photographs and uh, there was one in particular. It was a photo of the family there at Easter. And I was like, oh, wow. It kind of just hit me. I was like, man, right. I'm, I'm big. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, you know, I've talked about this before. Uh, you know, denial is really powerful. Like, okay, so you're a captain of the high school football team, and you kind of walk around, if you're anything like me, you know, I'm not a swimmer, kind of sort of thinking you're still that guy. You know, and even when you look in the mirror, you still see that guy from college or or high school, even if that's not what's actually being reflected back to you. Yeah. Until something shakes it up and you're able to snap that denial. But it's weird how it 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 doesn't you know, it takes it takes something for that to crack. Well, it's kind of two things. Right. So it was that one photo and then it was my mom was in town and she had been cleaning out. She brought a bunch of photos and she's like, oh, here, I got all these old photos. And I remember sitting on the couch flipping through these photographs and like, you know, I describe it to people like every photo was like being hit by a heavyweight fighter. I was just like, mm-hmm. boom, boom. And I was looking at these photos I'm like, man, I'm, I'm heavy. Mm-hmm. Right? And, it, and it's not that I wasn't like, you know, a contendent for the biggest loser. Or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. That's but, what I always say yeah. <laughs> myself too. It's not, but I was, you know, I was, I got, I was probably... 215 217 pounds and uh you know it's 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 not what I, you perceive yourself to be but then you you're looking at all these photos and and all of a sudden it just triggered i was like you know 40 was right around the corner and i said that that's it i just made a decision mm-hmm. to to get myself back into shape mm-hmm. yeah i mean i've seen a couple of those photos and uh and yeah it's not like especially now with 
kind of what we, you know, what we entertain as normal in terms of, you know, weight and what people our age look like. I look at you and I go, I just, he looks like a guy who's, you know, working at an investment bank. You know what I mean? You don't look like, you're not like a super obese guy, but you also look 10 years older than you look now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, it's not like anybody, you, you weren't a guy who somebody's going to pull aside and say, Hey man, you need to, uh, you know, get your stuff together. Like take a little inventory about how you're living. I mean, you just look like a normal dude, you know? But it's funny, like going through this experience is I think the re- the reason this story resonates too with a lot of people is, is people say, you know, yeah, I was in shape at one point and, you know, doing the corporate thing and I got kids and, you know, I let myself go a little bit. And then, you know, you go through this transformation and people, people respond to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's, well, it's, it's relatable to everybody. You know, we all, we all struggle with how much time we have during the day. We're all overcommitted. We're all, you know, maybe spending too much time on the wrong things. And, and it's easy to say, I don't have time or I'm too busy. And then when somebody like yourself goes and, and says, you know what, I'm not going to accept that definition and I'm going to do something different, um, I think the reaction is cuts two ways. It's inspiring for a lot of people because they see it can be done, but it's also threatening to other people because then they have to look at themselves and say, well, if he could do it, then I can too. And I'm not sure I'm ready for that or I don't like that. <laughs> well, you get, I mean, you get a lot of mixed emotions. I mean, it's uh, so I'll go back a little bit. So I, I, I all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm going to get myself back into shape. And there's like a little two-mile track near my house. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out today. I'm going to go for a run, right? Um, so I go do the two-mile. I couldn't get through two miles, right. right? Which is crazy because at one point, you know, years ago, I was like, that would it, it was it would have been like nothing. Mm-hmm. But it sort of was grounding and kind of where I was at the time. So I made a commitment to uh, work out. Not every day. I said every other day I'm mm-hmm. going to work out. So I... I Started to work out, started to quote unquote eat better. You know, at least at the time, it was what I thought was eating better. Right. Like, what did that mean, actually? Um, try and cut out some of the, the sweets and, like, you know, I'm going to eat healthy. So I'd have a big steak dinner with some uh-huh. salad, right? That was like eating healthy to me at that right. point. And, you know, I started dropping a little bit of weight just by, you know, quote, eating better and starting working out. And then my wife, who's fantastic, I mean, love of my life, and she, uh, She's always reading books about eating better and living longer. And she's like, you got to watch this movie with me. And she's like, it's called Forks Over Knives. So we sit down, the two of us, and we watch this movie. And I'm like, it makes sense. I mean, it just really makes sense. Mm -hmm. At the end of the movie, she says, I'm going to try this for three months. Now, you got to understand, my my wife's from Argentina, right? It's Uh like the meat the best beef you're ever going to have. We go down there and visit her family. You get off the plane and it's like a four hour barbecue. I mean, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and explain for people that might be new to the show or unfamiliar, kind of the, the, the guiding principle of forks over knives. So the, the, the premise is, is that, um, in order to be healthy, you want to you want to eat a plant-based whole food diet. And people always say, well, what is that? And it's like fruits and vegetables and nuts and beans. And what you want to cut out is meat, dairy, and all the processed food, right? Which sounds so simple. And you watch the film and, and you've got all the, the backstory and, and it just, it, it makes sense. You mm-hmm. But even, even, even at the end of it, my wife's like, all right, I'm going to do this for three months. Mm-hmm. And I said, good luck honey, right. let me know how it yeah. goes kind of thing. And so she starts and, and, uh, you know, she cuts out the meat, dairy and all the processed foods and she's, she's starting to eat fruits and vegetables and she's healthy already. I mean, she's not overweight and, 
Um, and then every day she'd give me the nudge, like, Hey, you should try this. Mm -hmm. I feel great. And you should, you should try this. You should try this. So, you know, I had, uh, this was a couple months after my, my trigger to get myself back into shape. Right. So you were already kind of inclined to, you know, you're trying to take it to the next level. And yeah. I'd start dropping some weight and it was feeling good. And, and, uh, you know, she started in September. So, uh, October 1st, I'm like, all right, stop bothering me. I'm uh-huh. on board. I'll do it with you for three months and we'll see how it goes. So October 1st, um, I just went one day, just said, that's it. I cut out meat, dairy, and all processed food, cold mm-hmm. turkey. Mm-hmm. First week was, guys, like what I would envision going through like a detox program. Mm-hmm. Like your body is just completely trying to readjust to this new uh, lifestyle and type and the way you eat. And uh, after about a week, all of a sudden I was like, man, I just feel amazing. I mean, my energy like went through the roof. And I had all this energy, and so I started to run a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, it was just to burn some of the energy off. And you're not like some <clears throat> some hippie living in Topanga Canyon, right? Like you're you're an investment banker. You're living in Florida at the time, or uh, you're down I'm living in, in Boston? Florida at the time. And um, you know, I'm I'm doing the corporate thing. I'm going right. to have a lot of client dinners and steak dinners and uh-huh. the wine and the whole nine yards and stuff. And so all of a sudden now I'm like, now I'm not eating meat. Right? right. But when you said, just to backtrack, you said, you know, you watched a movie and it made sense to you. I mean, I think when you, at least my experience, when I kind of talk to people and I say, I eat a plant-based diet and it doesn't include these things. And, you know, I focus on these things that doesn't intuitively make sense to most people, that's that's sort of like, well, what's what's left? I don't understand and why. And so, what was it about it that spoke to you or seemed to make sense to you? Uh, you know, how did that equation come together? Yeah, I'm kind of a numbers guy, and so the the data behind it is really powerful, right? When you watch it, and uh, you know, people always ask me, they're like, you know, where do I start? And I always tell them, I'm like, listen, go watch the movie. And uh, you know, for me, it, it just clicked. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, my wife started and she's like, I just feel great. I'm great. You know, try, give it a try, give it a try. So I'm like, okay, I'm on board, man. I'll try it for three months. We'll, we'll see what happens. And, uh, so my energy's going through the roof and all of a sudden, like well, the weight just starts dripping off. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was bizarre to me. Right. And, uh, you know, um, so weight's coming off. I'm feeling better. And I just started running a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? Just literally to burn energy off. Mm-hmm. And I would like recover unbelievably. So, um, so it was like October 1st that we started and then uh, I've been doing it for, God, it was probably early December and I was running up to, I got up to about 13 miles at that point. Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine goes, Hey, uh, would you mind pacing me for the second half of this marathon that I'm doing? So I'm like, all right, my buddy George, I'm like, no problem at all. And I'll come out and I'm a little nervous, right? Cause I'm, he's fast. I'm not that fast, right. but he, I don't know. He asked me to come out and pace him. So I'm like, ah. so I drive my car out to the halfway point of the marathon. He comes running by, I jump in and I'm pacing him and we're just, we're trucking along and, you know, he, he had a tough second half anyway, so he started to right. slow down and everything. So, but we get to the finish, uh, the finish line and I'd, so I'd 13 miles for me and that's kind of as far as I'd been going at that point. And I don't know what it was or what it clicked, but like 
all of a sudden I'm like, man, my car's halfway back in the mm-hmm. marathon. You didn't really think this through. I didn't think it yeah. through at all, dude. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it at all. But I'm feeling great, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and run back and get it. And I and so I, and I did. Mm-hmm. And you know, it took a while, but I ran back. I got in my car, and I was sitting there, and I was like, holy cow, man! I, I just like doubled as far as I'd run at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, I ran a marathon today. Mm-hmm. And it was how long after switching your diet did this occur? So this was. Uh, this was two months after switching my only diet. Only two months. And yeah. so you'd only really been, like, how long had you been, how, how long had you resumed your exercise routine so trying to get in the su- so, so that was uh, that was in December. It, it would have been that summer is when I started. <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, so you're like six months in or something like that. Um, yeah, probably six months in from going from not even being able to do two miles to working myself up. I, you know, I was doing about 13 and then... Uh, and you switched the diet, and it just I switched the diet kicks into a high I did, gear. Dude, when I switched the diet, man, everything just clicked. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was the, and I'm just watching the weight drop. I mean, in my adult life, right? I was, I I'd sort of like, I get down to a certain point, and I just all of a sudden I switched to plant based, and it just blew through that. Mm-hmm. And I almost couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, I'm <clears throat> literally you know, freaking out here. Cause I, I've never heard somebody tell my story, like almost to the T, like the way that you're relating your experiences. It's so incredibly similar to my experience. And when I tell, I mean, my version of your marathon run experience was, you know, it was maybe three months after I'd switched my diet. And, and like you, I'd started kind of resuming an exercise routine prior to that, but it was, it was never anything all that significant. You know, I was just trying to lose a little bit of weight and when I switched to plant-based, that's when all the weight kind of just shed off without having to yeah. really do anything. And, and the energy levels are going through the roof and, and I'm starting to run more and go to the pool, et cetera, predominantly to burn off all this extra energy that I had so I could sit still and focus when I was at work. That's like exactly I literally it. was bouncing off the walls. And then I went out for a trail run. Um, and my expectation was I was going to run for like an hour, uh, something like that. It was a weekday morning yeah. and I did the same. I ran away from my car but it was one of those days where I just felt amazing and everything's clicking and you just feel like you can go and go and go. That and, was the, that was the pace. And day. I was like, dude, I've been running for two hours and I, I haven't turned around yet. Like I, I turned around to go run back to my car, not because I felt like I was running out of steam, but because I got worried because no one knew where I was. And I thought, you know, if I get a cramp and fall in the bush here and you know, yeah. they're going to have to bring a helicopter out here and get me. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I clocked it out later and it was like 24 miles and, and, you know, it was, it was so much further than anything I'd ever done. And I couldn't believe it. And when I tell that story, um, you know, the reaction that I get often is, well, you're just some kind of athletic freak. And, and, and I have to say, well, you know, maybe I did kind of unlock some dormant gene that I didn't know that I had, or, or at least a, a passion for this because I loved it so much. But I can't emphasize or overemphasize, you know, the extent to which the diet contributed to that that catalyzed that and so to hear somebody else essentially tell the exact same story like reaffirms that well it's it's funny like you think back over the years like you can work out and lose a little bit of weight right you can eat a little bit better lose a little bit of weight but for for me it was switching to a plant-based diet it just all came together right Mm -hmm. and so so what happened was like you know i'd 
did this pacing, you know, got myself back to the car. I did did the ended up on the mar- doing the marathon that day, which was just kind of mind boggling at the time. Did you just come when you come home and tell your wife like, guess what I did? Today? I was You're just like, bizarre. <laughs> it was just a little bizarre. But it was like, and then three days later, I see one morning a buddy of mine, David Green, and. Uh, you know, I knew he did crazy stuff and crazy races. I didn't. I don't he's know, like he's like the local ultra freak. Well, right? Every every town's got one of yeah, those. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's knowing yeah. he, he does these like crazy races and all this stuff. And I didn't even know what it all meant to be honest with you. So I see him and I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, good. And I'm like, hey, what? What are you training for these days? And so he could say, oh man, I'm training for this this ultra marathon in two months. It's a it's 110 miles. We're raising some money for charity. You go on and on. I'm like, and I'm looking at him like, are you serious? And all of a sudden he stops in the middle of his conversation. He looks me square in the eyes and he goes, you should do it with me. Uh huh. And I'm like. And this was kind of after you'd done that out and back marathon. This was three days later. Oh, three days later. It was wow. literally three days later. And, and, and I'm like, I couldn't tell if he was joking or it was serious. Mm-hmm. It's a message from God. And, but, it, you know, what? I'll tell you, it's like it all of a sudden, it all kind of came together. And Snap it was like, focus. and uh, so I'm, and he planted this little seed, right? And I'm like, man, maybe, maybe I should try this, man. I just... I feel I'm feeling amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the diet's kicking in, weight's dripping off, and uh, so I sort of just I was like, "Yeah, I'll think about it." And I sent him an email later that day, mm-hmm. and I said, "How do you how do you even do something like that, right?" So a guy got on me, emailed me back, and he's like, "This is what we do. This is the plan, and everything like this." And so that was uh, that was December fourteenth. Um, and long story short, two months. Later, I show up at the starting line of this 110-mile ultramarathon. And, uh, you know, I cranked my mileage up in those two months. I seemed to recover incredibly well. I mean, like, and I'm, I'm just, I'm all, all in, 100%, all plant-based, mm-hmm. nothing processed, um, ramping the miles, recovering, going out the next day, and... How many, so how many, I mean, that's a really short period of time to ramp up. It's ridiculous. You know, like most people would say, you can't do that. You're going to, I mean, maybe physically, like sort of aerobically, you could handle that, but you're going to get injured. Well, what I, this, what I said to myself was like, so I didn't tell anybody, right? Right. I mean, like my wife knew, right? I told my wife, I'm like, I'm thinking about doing this. So David, he's like, he gives me his training program and I'm like, I'm going to see if I can stick to it. Let me get to the end Uh of December and, and see if hopefully, let's see if I don't get hurt. And are you getting like multiple long runs in in the week or doing one long run and shorter runs more repeated throughout? The, how's that? How did I, that look? Dude, I just ran. You're just running. <laughs> yeah. Right. See, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate. And people are like, like what? Like I got four kids, right? So right. I, I'd get up at 3.30 in the morning and I'd run, right? And I just, I'd run for four hours and I get home, I take a quick shower and then we're off to soccer practice or mm-hmm. lacrosse or whatever. You know, it was just... I'd do it early in the morning or I'd do it at night. I remember one night coming in and like where I got home late from work and I'm like, I'm going to run. Right. Mm-hmm. And I put, I had my, my, my blinky lights on and everything like that. Cause it's pitch dark. My wife's like, right. what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going for a run. She's like, you look like a Christmas tree. Out there, <laughs> yeah. You know? So I'm just doing the miles and I'm like, if I can get through, let me get through December and see if I don't get hurt. Fine. I do that. Mm-hmm. Let me get through January, see if I don't get hurt, right? So this is, so I'm in February. This, this race was in mid-February. 
And uh, all of a sudden, well, I start telling people, I'm like, I'm going to try and do this run. They're like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And you hadn't even done a marathon yet. Uh, I mean, well, I other, to, than, other than you're out and back when you were helping your buddy. Yeah, I mean, like years ago, I used to do, you know, I used to do stuff, but it had been a right. while. And, you uh-huh. know, it's, um, so this is like, you know, it, it's just, it just seemed incomprehensible. But so we go to, uh, we go to the starting line. And what was your longest, what did your longest run been? Getting, uh, ramping up. Um, I, I probably did. I think I did a thirty miler mm-hmm. once because I, rem- I remember taking a picture of the watch, and being like, "Wow, that's kind of a long way, mm-hmm. right?" And then the idea of running a hundred and ten was just like, I went into it with. So I had to do that more than three times. I had years. no idea, <laughs> right? Right. But God, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, you have, you have a goal, go for a big goal, but have a plan. And so I give a lot of, a lot of kudos to David. He, he helped me out with a plan in terms of training. You know, he sent me like a little list of like, this is all the stuff you're going to need. The thing about these things, which I've learned too, is it's not about you and you have a support crew, right? Mm-hmm. You can't get through one of these without a support crew. And I had, I had a tremendous support crew. My family's fantastic. You know, kids decorated the whole car, but uh, but I remember this incident. Uh, we, I was at a basketball practice. This was probably a couple days beforehand, and mm-hmm. a friend of ours was was asking someone else in town. They're like, "Hey, you know, who, who's doing that hundred and ten miler?" And you know, they said, "Oh, so and so, and so and so, and Adam Scully Power." And she, what? That guy. He's not doing. There's no way he can do that, right? <laughs> and I see her practicing. She's like, Are you, "You can't do that." And I'm like, yeah. "I'm like, well, uh-huh. I'm gonna give it a try." So we went to the starting line, and you had you had gone from 215 pounds down to where where were you? I will tell you exactly where I was. Right. So I was uh, I was 215 pounds. I probably got down to maybe I don't know one. Well, when I started the race, I was 172 pounds, mm-hmm. right? And the reason I know that is because what we did is we weighed ourselves. Yeah, they make you, at these long races, they make you get weighed so they can monitor. Well, it, yeah, I mean, so you weigh yourself, right, to know where you are. But then, like, every 10 miles, like, our support crew would, would put the scale on the ground. We'd run up, we'd step on the scale, and we'd weigh ourselves, and the reason why is because it's kind of like you can monitor how your body's doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, if you put on too much weight, it's not good. If you're not putting on enough, it's not, it's not good either. So that was how you would monitor yourself. So, you know, I'm out there. And now I've been eating all plants, right? Mm-hmm. Super clean, super clean. But I don't know what I'm doing out there. Mm-hmm. And all I know is, David's like, you got to take in calories, 300 mm-hmm. calories an hour, right? You got to do it, whatever you do. So uh, not knowing what to do. So I'm, I'm taking the gels, right? right? Right. All processed. Yeah. And when you go from eating clean, clean, clean to all processed, Man, your body doesn't react that no, way. No, not to mention the fact that, you know, that's a huge burst of sugar. And once you spike your, your blood sugar like that, you got to keep it up or you're going to have a crash. And oh, you're going to be out there for God knows how many hours. Well, so we're, th- we're like 35 miles in. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, and all this processed stuff, all of a sudden, there was a porta potty. And I'm like, I got to go in there, uh-huh. man. I, didn't, I go in there. I come out. I had, it didn't react well with me at all. And quite frankly, I had horrible diarrhea. I get out, I get on the scale, and I drop six pounds. Right? And I remember David looking at me going, he's like, that's not good, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's dangerous. He's like, you got to put the weight back on, but you can't do it all at once. So it took me, uh, 
it took me three and a half hours while I'm running to put six pounds back on. But mm-hmm. we kept going, and uh, and we did. I ran 110 miles. Mm-hmm. Took me 24 hours and 38 minutes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went from you know that sort of crazy you know pacing the guy to do a half marathon to running 110 miles in two months. That's it, that is just mind boggling. It's just honest. It 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 changed my perspective on what's possible in all aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I you know I've put a lot of faith in in the the way I was eating to get me there. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. So what 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 did uh, I'm sure it's evolved since then, but what did a typical day in food look look like for you ramping up to that race? Um, I just ate a lot. Mm-hmm. I ate just huge quantities of food. But I you know I do uh, I became a fan of the Vitamix. My wife mm-hmm. bought a Vitamix, and so you know she started it first, and so now everything I put everything was going into the Vitamix. Huge salads, you know. Um, just huge quantities of food. I didn't count a single calorie. Mm-hmm. It just, I just, right. It's not like that. Yeah. I mean, we were talking, um, before the interview, we just made a Vitamix in the kitchen <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I did. we were talking about like how, yeah, you know, people say, well, what's your, what's your pre, you know, pre-workout Vitamix, what's your post-workout, but you know, what do you put in? And we were sharing uh, th- this idea that like, Hey man, it's whatever's in the, whatever's, whatever's in, in the, the fridge, man, it goes in there. And like, I don't get caught up in measuring this or that or making sure I have one or the other things more often than not especially when you have four kids and you're working it's like you know you know I don't have time to make sure I'm completely stocked in every single thing like I got you know the kids are in there eating it and I just I go in there and whatever's there is what's going in whatever's there goes (laughs) in you know and it just you whip it up and it's you know and now you know it's funny I remember like I think it was in the movie too they said when you get to the point where you crave like a kale salad you're there mm-hmm. and you know, I'm, I got there quickly, you know, it mm-hmm. just changed all your cravings for all sweets. That's gone. Right. Just, that's the important thing. People say, well, why don't you, you know, what about cheat days or what about just doing it, you know, 90%. And I say, that's great. If that's where you're at, you know, if that's, 
a step up. You know, I had to do it cold turkey like you. I, I had to I go went. all in. And if I allow myself to be 90%, then that's a slippery slope back to Jack in the Box no, for me. No, no, no. I went yeah. all in. And, you know, it's just, you know, that three-month, I call it the experiment, was when the weight came up. I went to the doctor after I had my cholesterol, and my cholesterol dropped like a rock, you know, and running these crazy miles. So, uh, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. So we do, we do this 110 miler and when you do something like that, it did change. It does, man. It changes your perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we finished and people are like, Oh, you, you know, one and done, you know, you got that out of your system. And then, you know, my buddy David's like, well, let's go do another one. Right. And like, oh, okay. So we, uh, so we went down in May and we did the Keys 100, mm -hmm. right, which runs from Key Largo down to Key West. I'd never even actually been to the Keys before, so I figured it was a hell of a way to see the Keys. It was just mm -hmm. run, run the whole way. Right. So we go down and we do the Keys 100. And you know, my goal for these things, and you got to remember, man, I was 50 pounds heavier just a few months ago. So um, my goals for these things are just to finish. Mm -hmm. That's it. All I want to do is go down and finish. And it was like brutally hot that day. Right, I heard. I had... Uh a buddy of mine who's been on the podcast a couple times, Mishko Shibali, he, uh, he went down to that race and was pacing a buddy of his, and he was telling me how hot it was. Oh, man, it was, it was like sauna hot, right? And uh -huh. you're just, you know, every chance you can, your support crew will just, just drench you with ice cold water. And there was, there was a big group, I don't know how many people, 150 people started it. And I think at the end of the day, only 68 people actually finished. It was a huge dropout right. rate, but... You know, I go down and I'm just, I'm slow and steady. That's all. I'm all mm -hmm. about just slow and steady. And, you know, it was a tough day and, and I went through and I, you know, I came across, I think that one was like 20, 22 hours and, uh, can't remember, 22 hours right. and something. The only good one about that is it's flat. <laughs> it's it is flat, flat right? It, you know, it's funny. Like I come across, they're like, hey, congratulations. Good job. You know, they're like, hey, you're in, you came in 15th. And I'm like, whoa, What? Like this whole thing is just new to me, right? Uh -huh. This this ultra distance thing. Um, so we got the keys in, and that was that was a great race. And then, uh, you know, and then the next thing is you know, my buddy David again. He's doing all these crazy things. So he goes and runs the Boston Marathon, mm -hmm. and uh, comes across the finish line of the Boston Marathon, and uh, he's on the finishing block when the bombs go off, right? Mm -hmm. And I hear it on the news and I go, I call right away. I'm on the phone. All the phone lines are dead. Like nothing's going through. So I send him a text that says two words. Are you, are you okay? Question mark. He texts me back. He's like, yes, blast happens in front of me. And he sends me a picture. So what happened is when the bombs went off, he's on the block. He takes his camera out and takes a single, single photograph of Boylston street right there at the finish line. Yes, blast happens in front of me, and he sends me the picture. I don't think anything of it. Thank mm -hmm. God he's okay. But when the Boston Marathon bombing, I don't know what it was, but I, I sat there, and it sort of affected me, and I, I'm just thinking, I'm like, i got to do something. Right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. I, you know, um, So I get this idea. Right? A colleague of mine at work probably a couple months earlier was like, hey, you uh, – you want to you want to join us? We're we're getting a team together to ride in this thing called the Pan Mass Challenge, which is it's one of the largest. I think it's the largest charity fundraiser in the country. Mm -hmm. It's been going on for years. Five thousand 
people will bike across the state of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And I get this. <clears throat> you go west to east? You go, uh, you go west to east. There's a couple of different routes. They all end up in Provincetown, right at the very tip of, uh, of the Cape down there right. in Massachusetts. So uh, Wednesday night, bar- marathon was on Monday. Wednesday night I was traveling, and I, I tracked down the, own, the founder of the Pan Mass Challenge, a guy by the name of Billy Starr. never met him. And I send him an email completely out of the blue saying, um, I've got this idea. After what happened this week with the Boston Marathon, I'd like to participate in the Pan Mass Challenge this year, but I don't want to bike it. I want to run it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably don't get an email like this every day. So think about it. And if you have any interest, you know, I'd love to chat with you. And that was Wednesday night. So Thursday morning. And this, this wasn't something you ran, you uh, sort of ran by the wife. You just, uh, you got an no, idea. No, idea. Fired off the email. Dude, I'll tell you, I look back Before at Before you could uh, change your mind about what you might possibly be I'm committing on, to. I'm li- I tell you what, I'm on the road, right? It's 10 o'clock on Wednesday. And I looked at the 10 o'clock Wednesday night. I fire it off to him. And uh, Thursday morning, he calls. And he's like, this is a bike event. This, right. we don't we don't this is not a running event yeah, i think you you misread the uh fine print on he's like we've been, for 30 years we this is a bike event right and uh and i go no no i, I understand but after what happened this week i want to do something as a tribute to all the victims in boston and i want i want to run this thing and i walked him through i'm like you know, we'll have our own support team we'll just we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go through we'll do the thing and you know and he goes all right. He said, he said, we'll do it. And I said, all right, let me, let me get, let me get right back to you. All right. right. So this is, this is Thursday now. Then do you have a, uh, oh shit moment? What did I just, well, no, no, I'll tell you what happened, man. And, you know, things, are, things <laughs> in life, into. things in life come together for uh-huh. a reason. It just, you know, so this was, this was probably 11 o'clock on that Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, the FBI releases the images of the two guys that, that they think are the, uh, the bombers from Boston mm-hmm. and uh, it hits the news and we're looking at the picture that the FBI releases. And then we go back and we're looking at the picture that my buddy David uh, texted on Monday. And if you open up the picture that he texted and you look in the lower left-hand corner, crystal clear, he's got the picture of the bomber. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, yeah, Zokar Sarnoff is in the picture, right? Oh, I mean, you, but it, you, for those that are, you've seen, you've seen this picture a hundred times, right. right? And we look and we're like, oh, it's like, oh my God, look, that's him. So, how did how did he get his image to the FBI? Did he so, send it to them? Yeah, so he that's crazy. We're like, <laughs> so he David he sends the photo into the FBI. The FBI goes, this is the clearest highest resolution photo we have of of the bomber uh, one of the bombers um and in the photo just goes viral i mean it goes v- like literally viral and uh it was a, you know what like i talked to i talked to billy star that morning about running the pan mass as a tribute to to all these victims and when the photo which was texted to me on monday which you wouldn't think anything of it until right. everybody had their phone out taking pictures. Of yeah. It. And it was like, that was a sign that we're like, mm-hmm. wow, I mean, this is meant to be. So, I mean, 
you know, CNN calls up Dave and like, hey, we want you to come on and show the photo and everything like that. And I remember texting him and going, dude, I'm doing this pan mass challenge. Mm-hmm. Right? Now you're in. I'm, I'm, I'm all in at this point. It, you know, at first it's like this crazy idea. You know, Billy Starr says, yeah, let's, let's, I'm good. Let's do this thing. And that photo was like a sign that says, I'm all in. Right. So you sent me the, the, not just the photo, but like a screen grab of the text message being sent to you of yeah. the photo. I'll put a, I'll put a, I'll put that up on the website so you guys can check it out. But that's really eerie. I mean, it's that's crazy. It's right. Cr- it's crazy. And it, it makes me, you know, think a lot about something that I also talk a lot about, which is this idea that, you know, your life in so many ways can boil down to these little events, these little moments that occur. And when you're paying attention they can be momentous and change your life in dramatic, marvelous, and wonderful ways. So like when your friend David comes up to you and says, hey man, do this 110 with me, like out of the blue. Out like of, what's, that, what's that about? Like that's never happened to you before. And it, it was at the three exact- three days after that run. It, and it happened to you at the exact moment when you were ready to hear that and do something and make that change in your life. And then to sort of be interested in the idea of honoring the Boston Marathon and the synchronicity of that photograph and the timing of when it went viral and released and your commitment to do this 163 mile run. It's like, dude, you know, there's more going on here. You know, that's just, it, it's an extraordinary chain of events. It's, it's, it, as I think back on it, it's almost eerie in mm-hmm. some regards. So, so now I'm committed, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in and I'm starting to uh, I'm starting to ramp my, I got to start preparing for this thing. You know, I, this was a long way right. for a guy who just, you know, not that long ago was 50 pounds heavier. But for the average person listening, it's like 110, 163. It's the same thing. And I was like, whatever, you know, anything not. above, anything longer than a marathon, every, it just gets lumped into the category of ultra marathon, like whether it's 50 or 163, it all, it's like the difference between a hundred billion and a trillion. It's like, you can't, it gets to that point where you can't wrap your brain around it. But it's, and it's all new to me, mm-hmm. right? But you know, at each step, I mean, you, you change your perspective on what is possible. Right. And so I'm, I'm training for this thing and I didn't tell a lot of people at first. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, I, you know, I, I did it as a tribute to the victims of Boston, the pan mass challenge, they raise money for, for cancer research. So, you know, I had a commitment to raise some money for cancer research as well. But in most of the people that I work with had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't tell them cause I didn't know if I could finish. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, but you're already known as the guy who ran 110 and, you know, you've done yeah. two ultras at this point. Yeah, so, so, so they're, yeah, right? I, I guess so. But I don't think of myself, people are telling me all the time, like, hey, you're the runner. I don't think of myself as a runner, but I, I mean, I guess I am at this point, but I, I still don't even think of myself that way. Um, so it's, uh, and and the people from the Pan Mass Challenge, yeah, I, I didn't, I quite, I quite frankly didn't really want the publicity for this thing, but there, mm-hmm. this was different, right? So, for thirty years they've been raising, they raised thirty thirty eight million dollars in a single weekend. This is a huge, mm-hmm. huge endeavor, and uh, no one ever had ever run it before. So they start to tell the story a little bit because they're trying to raise awareness for the charity. I said, you know, it's for charity. I'm going to go with it, and so they would float the story to a few people. And that's when that reporter 
called me up and, you know, said, tell me about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then that, then the article, it was the morning before I was going to start Friday morning, that Thursday morning, that article went out on ESPN and, uh, it was a great article and it just blew up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just blew up that day. So what happens when you show up at the event? Now everybody's looking at you like you're, <laughs> everybody knows what you're going to be attempting no, here. I, well, it's, so it's, it's like, so I'll, I'll t let me kind of go back for a second. So uh -huh. the, what they do with the Pan Mass Challenge is they start Saturday morning, right? And they'll bike half the distance on Saturday. Then they, they sleep out. They spend the night. There's a, a 5,000 bikers. They've got a little uh, mm -hmm. army barrack, barricade, bang, uh, uh, barracks that they spend, spend the night. And then they get up Sunday morning and they bike the second, the second half. So Billy Starr, who runs it, says, you know, I want I want you to try and finish before all the bikers get in. Mm. Now, um, I have to kind of create a plan, right? And one of the things that when you put yourself out in life like this, it's amazing who comes into your life. And I got connected um, with uh, with one of a world class ultra distance runner, Lisa Smith Batch. Mm -hmm, of course. Uh, she's a, you know, I got connected with her. She kind of heard about what I was doing. I did a call with her and I told her I was, you know, what I was doing. I needed some help. And she's like, okay, kiddo, I'm going to come on board and help you. So she helped me with, uh, with the training stuff leading up to it. She's fantastic. She's mm -hmm. got, she's doing some crazy events coming up. Oh, she's year. amazing. Things oh, that she's done. Dude, she's just an amazing, amazing person, a fabulous lady. And, uh, forever indebted for the help that she, uh, she gave me. So, um, so I talked to her and she's like, you know, we, we figured out the schedule. She's like, you know, the best thing to do is leave Friday morning. So, mm -hmm. so I start five forty-five at sunrise on Friday morning. All the bikers are going to start Saturday and, uh, and I just, I go nonstop mm -hmm. for 163 miles. And who's, who's your crew? I had the crew. I had the fam, right? Uh -huh, I yeah. My, I had my wife. My wife is the best. I mean, the absolute best. She's my crew person. and uh, I'm sure you got the advice that that's, that's probably not a good idea. So the crew is my wife, my uh, my brother, my dad, and then my, my, my wife's father, my father-in-law. Mm. So I have the whole family, right? Which mm. created some uh, interesting moments along the, the course. Right. I, can, I can assure you for that. Um but we start out, and uh, I had a plan. You know, I got it's like anything in life, right? You got to have a giant goal. You got to have a plan. You got to have a tenacity or purpose of what you're trying to do. You're going to have setbacks along the way. There is no question, and you got to persevere through them. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, people rally around really big goals, right? Really big goals, and um, so. I start and mm -hmm. what, what happened the day before is the word started to spread, right? The local news was like, Oh, we want to come and talk to you. We're going to put you on the news and everything like that. So the whole thing was just a whirlwind for mm -hmm. me. And then, uh, and you called me that night, right? That's right. Yeah. How did I, uh, how did we connect? Like, I think I tweeted out like, Oh, you got, I tweeted out this, the ESPN story or something. I shared it and then, or, I found I, out where, how to so tag you I, on it or something like so that. I think you somehow tagged me on the ESPN story and it hit Facebook and I'm not a big Facebook uh -huh. person, but I, and I was like, now you got to go back. So I, I, 
I didn't know you beforehand, but when I decided, when I watched Forks Over Knives and went plant-based and then got sucked into doing that first ultra, I, I didn't know what I was doing, so I went mm-hmm. online, right? I started reading stuff up. Ultra distance, plant-based, and guess who pops up? Mm-hmm. Rich Roll. Because yeah, there's not too many other guys. <laughs> Rich Roll, that's right. Yeah. So I, I get your book, right? And I read your book. Actually, I downloaded it, and I used to, mm-hmm. I used to listen to it when I was running. And uh, so, um, you hit, yeah, the ESPN article went. You, you tweeted, put it on Facebook, and uh, I pinged you a message back, and I was like, yeah. Thanks for the, the shout out there. You know, I've read your book, you know, fantastic. And uh, I think we swapped a few few messages mm-hmm. back and forth. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was, at the, I was sitting in the minivan and we had rented a minivan for this support crew. And I was loading the minivan up the night before and all the supplies and you called me mm-hmm. just to say good luck tomorrow. And that was, that was huge. That oh point. man, well, I mean, just huge respect for what you had taken on. And, and you know, I, like I said, I mean, your story resonates with me so completely. You know, it's like I get chills hearing you say it. Like the, it's it's my story. You know, I can't help but like celebrate that. And you know, anything that I could do to you know, help inspire you to see it through. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's well, just it was unbelievable what you were undertaking. Because I didn't know. Again, you don't kind of know what you're getting into. You mm-hmm. don't know how your body's going to react. But the, at this point, man, I felt pressure, right? Because now it's out there. Oh yeah. Like I tried it's to keep, different, right? Oh, it's very yeah. it like, you know, I tried to keep it quiet because I didn't know if I could finish. But now it's like this article's going out and, you know, I didn't look for that. But because they were trying to bring some awareness to the charity, you know, they they started to tell the story. Right, right. And uh, so the you know, local news did a thing the night before. But it was weird. So I started at 545 on that Friday morning. Um, and there's no one. Well, actually, you know, they, they sent a little news crew there, right? Mm-hmm. There's a news truck there. They wanted to videotape me leaving. And I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is just weird, right? So we just started running, right? And I got the support crew, and uh, cars would come up, right? And they roll down the window. They go, hey, are you you that guy running? They're running the pan mass? I was like, yeah. I saw you on the news last night. Good luck. Uh And it's just, it was a weird experience for me, you know? So we're trucking along. So I started at 5.45 Friday. I just kept running. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what you said, you know, you have this big goal, but then you have a plan. So what, what was the plan? So uh, first, well, the plan is, again, you go back to nutrition and calories and pacing. And, you know, I have, uh, um, I have all that in my head, you know, ready to go, written out. Um, Lisa had helped me uh, really devise a str- like a race strategy to get through it. Because the goal for one of these things is just to finish. It didn't matter. To me, mm-hmm. this was all for charity. It didn't matter how long it took. I just wanted to finish. That's all I tried to do. And uh, so Friday, we were out there, and it was it started getting hot. And we're just trucking along, and I'm eating, drinking mm-hmm. nonstop. And so I assume there's like a, there's a run-walk kind of protocol I'm a place. big fan of the run walk yeah yeah you know, so we go I go eight twos right eight two, which is right. run for eight minutes walk for two minutes mm-hmm. run for eight minutes walk for two minutes and those two minutes that you're walking it lets you eat it mm-hmm. lets you drink it gives your legs a little bit of a break and if you do it you can just you can go for a long time yeah it's amazing and uh you know I had Charlie Engel great ultra runner on the show and 
he said, uh, he's like, you know, because there's all this, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about ultra running. They think people are just running six minute miles for like 24 hours straight. And I'm like, no, it's not really what's going on here. <laughs> even the greats, even the winners are, are choosing their walk moments and they're implementing a smart run walk method, you know, and, and Charlie always says, you know, who, you know, when he does public speaking, he says, who here can run a, a mile in 11 minutes? You know, and most people raise sure. their hand. You yeah. Know? And then he says, well, if you could do that for the 135 mile distance of bad water, you wouldn't just win the race. You'd break the course record. That's, so that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Right. And the run walk method is, is really the way you have to go. And it's not about walking when you start to get tired. It's about walking from the very beginning so that, you know, you, you have to implement that strategy before you start. Oh, to you got to train, you got to train you, know, you have to train it. Right. And yeah, and you can train your walk so that you're, it's a swift, it's a different from a normal walk. Oh no, and, no. When you, you, you mm-hmm. know, the walk is not a little, it's not right. just a stroll in the park. You're, you're kind of, you're power walking. Right. You've got to train that way so that you can run power walk and then, get going again and keep mm-hmm. cranking it cranking it out and you just you know i've got my watch and it just keeps beeping bing, you know and you just time to do it and even know. when you don't want to do it like i feel good i want to keep running like no you know well, stick to the plan you know and you go through you know you hear you hear people talk about i hit the wall in a marathon well like when you you run 163 miles you hit a lot of walls mm-hmm. right and the thing that amazes me is that you know I mean, David Goggins said, I read about it. He said, you know, when you, you get to the point where, I may misquote him here, you get to the point where you think you're done and you've only used 40%, you know? And, you, you know, Dude, I know, you keep saying, say, saying things that I say all the time. When I do public true. speaking, I always, I leave people with that quote. It's true. Know? I mean, that it's, exact it's quote. I mean, you can, it's amazing how you can feel horrible and all of a sudden, you can turn the corner and be reborn again. And you go mm-hmm. through these, you go through these moments. And I remember, I remember, you know, pacing myself and, uh, you know, probably I was probably at the 70 mile mark and maybe like seven between 70 and 80 miles. I just felt phenomenal. I don't know what it was. I was just cranking those miles out. And then, uh, <clears throat> I'm running along and then these, these two bikers came up behind me and, you know, it's, you know, when you feel someone behind you and you just can't, you can kind of like, look over your shoulder and they're peeping their head around and then mm-hmm. I don't I think it's the that's the guy right I think that's the guy running and they're like hey you you the you're running the pan pan mass I was like yeah yeah they're like I told you that's the guy I told you that's mm-hmm. the guy so these two uh, a guy and a girl were on their bike they, they they hung with me for a couple miles and were chatting and everything it was it was cool and they they went on and then about half an hour later I'm I'm still running uh they're on the side of the road with their running stuff on Oh, wow. And he goes, hey, can I run with you for a while? And I go, yeah, that would, I'd, I'd love the company. And he ran with me from, uh, I don't know, maybe 10.30 to like 11.30 that night. Um, and it was just, it was nice to see. I mean, people came out and really rallied and supported. It was, it was very cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you make it through this. How many hours does this take you? So... Um, the whole thing took me four, just over 41 hours. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And was there, you went, you powered through, did you ever, did you sleep at all? Nope. Grab a nap or I anything like that? Didn't sleep. Um, you know, we'd, I'd stop from time to time, take 10 or 15 minutes to, you know, refuel up and just kind of mentally check in and whatnot. Maybe, you know, every 20, 25 miles or something like that. 
And, um, you know, you talk about the dynamics of the support crew, right? So we were, now the course is, the course is not a straight, like point to point. It, it weaves through different roads and this mm -hmm. way and that way. And, you know, they're keeping the direction and, you know, I'd be like, Hey, how much further we have? And they'd, they'd go to their, their phone and the GPS and they'd be like, Oh, you've got uh, whatever, 70 miles. Right. And what they're looking at on their phone is just the straight road. Oh, Right. Oh no! And I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. We got 70 miles. Oh, They're looking you can't like, mess around as with the that bird flies, so to speak. Yeah. And the and the course is on all these side roads and everything. So like, they're when they're saying 70 miles. I probably have 90 still to go. And they kept doing this all day. And it's not their, no, not their yeah, fault, yeah. but it, it messes with you a little bit. Oh, that can be debilitating when you find. I mean, even just to know you have a couple more miles than you thought when you're at that point, that breaking point. Yeah. So I tell people, I'm like, you know, so I started at five 45 on a Friday morning. I ran all day Friday. I ran all Saturday night. I ran all Saturday, Saturday night. The sun goes down. Now when you're putting your reflector vest and your blinky lights on for the second, second night in a row, mm -hmm. emotionally, that's a tough place to be, right? That's, you know, people are like, did you have any tough moments? That was one of them, right? So the lights, sun's going down and putting the vest on for the second night. And for some reason, I didn't think about it, but you know, the course goes out down through Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And I figured when we get out to the Cape, it would get nice and flat. Right? Mm. It doesn't get flat down there at all. <laughs> I mean, it gets really hilly, right? So those last, those last parts are in the hills. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny. Folks will say, "Hey, was there ever was there was, was there points where you were just like, I can't do it?" And I felt pretty good. I remember uh, my brother goes, um, "Hey, you only, you, you're almost there." Now, if someone says you're almost there, that's a relative term. Yeah, you, uh, well, I don't know, right? So he's like, "Hey, you're almost there," and I'm thinking, "God, maybe two or three miles. We're almost there." And then there's silence. And he goes, "You got nine miles to go now." Mm. Nine miles in the scope of 163 doesn't sound like a lot, but when you've been running for, mm -hmm. you know, 150 something miles, nine miles at that point was like, whew. So we kept trucking along and I'll tell you the point where, the point where I said it became tough is I was probably three miles away and, uh, I said that was tough. Those last three miles, those, those were, that was a really tough moment. You know, I've, I think physically and mentally, it just became difficult. And you, and you talk about like things that happened. So, um, you know, my support crew is in the car and, uh, all of a sudden the, the police car comes up with a flashing light. And I remember the cop uh, comes up, rolls his window and he goes, what the heck are you doing? Cause it's dark. It's Saturday mm -hmm. night. We're on this busy road, and he's like, "What are you doing?" Like, guys out there, like mm -hmm. running. I said, oh, I'm, "I'm, I'm like half delirious at this point." I'm like, "I'm running the Pan Mass Challenge." He's like, "Oh, oh, you're that guy." He's like, "I'll stay with you, right?" Uh, so wow. he stayed with the flashing lights. I'm starting to really deteriorate, and uh, my wife gets out of the car. I love her, and she comes up, and uh, you know, you're you're run, you're running a little bit, you're walking a little bit, and. Uh, so she's, she's by my side, right? Which was just great. And my wife has her phone in her hand and she gets a text message from, uh, from Lisa, my coach. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the text exchange between the two of them 
of which my wife is reading. <laughs> it was tough. It was it. There, uh, Lisa's texting uh, messages. Man, I get caught up with this. It's all right, man. So uh, she's texting messages of, of friends of hers who have died from cancer. <laughs> and my wife's reading it. I'm sorry, man. No, man. I've had the uh, privilege of of you sharing a couple of those, and I've read some of them in the articles. Well, she's so Lisa's sending messages of, of friends and um, people in her lives that have died of cancer, and uh, you know th- that's what the whole thing's about in mm-hmm. right? raising money to find a cure for cancer. And you know, at the right at the moment where it's the most difficult, you know. I'm I'm running and I'm listening to this text exchange between my wife and her and Lisa saying, read it out loud to him. And uh, man, it helped, it helped finish it, helped me get mm-hmm. through those last few miles. Mm-hmm. And these were emails that, these were emails that had been sent to you in support and in the wake of the press coverage or? No, this these is. These are just uh, stories of people out there that, had suffered. These are, this is, uh, <clears throat> this is my wife and Lisa having, literally having a text exchange back and forth between mm-hmm. each other. And, uh, and my wife's read, reading the messages that Lisa's sending along. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, she, she, I'll read you some of them, right? Mm-hmm. I have them here, man. It's uh, she, she sends, she sends, uh, she sends my wife a message saying, three miles question mark," and my wife responds back, uh, "Yeah, he's he's delirious, he's delirious, mm-hmm. right?" And Lisa writes, "God wants him to suffer to some degree. It puts it all in perspective so that Adam can understand the power behind his giving and doing." My wife, mm. she's like, oh, he's moving. And this is this is the text exchange mm-hmm. they're having back and forth. She says, cry with him. He should be very emotional. Well, okay, as you can <laughs> tell, you know. Uh, let him sob. Tell him it's okay. Men are so different. They try and hold it all in. Uh, then she starts sending pictures of friends of hers who have died from cancer. Mm. And, uh, man, it just, it just hit me hard. Um, says she says, tell him to cry, put his hands to heaven. What he's done is beyond what, what most can imagine. But we kept powering through there, and uh, and we finished up. Yeah, that put the the wind in the sails to get you through the finish. Yeah, definitely, definitely mm-hmm. helped. So you achieve this impossible, incomprehensible feat that in such a short period of time prior would have been completely out of your realm of possibility. I mean, honestly, just sitting here like today, 
is just bizarre to me, mm-hmm. man. You know, to think to think back 18 months ago where I was, and some of these things that I've done, um, and now we're sitting here talking about it is just. It's, it's just, amazing. How does this? You know, now you've had some time. There's time has elapsed between this event and, and where you're sitting now. And how does this color how you, you know, uh, live your day? And how does this change your perspective on, on you know, your legacy, <clears throat> your purpose, what you have to share and, and give? I think it does a couple things. Number one is, uh, you know, you, you kind of think about, well, what's next? Right. You know, you, you break through some of these boundaries that I don't even know if you want to call them boundaries, things that you just thought were seemingly impossible to do. And you, and you start asking yourself, well, like, what's next? And the, and the other part about it is it's it's, you know, having gone through this experience and, and not that I intended it for it to be as public as it was, but I mean, I remember, so I, f- I finished the uh, I finished the event at uh, like eleven o'clock Saturday night, like forty one hours after mm-hmm. I started. Bikers are all going to come through on Saturday, so we went to the hotel and crashed and got some sleep. I, you know, I probably got to the hotel at I don't know twelve thirty. I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, I'm like wide awake, and I have hundreds and hundreds of emails from mm-hmm. people, and the s- the email messages are just, they're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I mean, I remember one guy emails me. It's like, I read your story. And I went downstairs to, uh, to my 18 year old son and I read it to him. And the two of us went out and ran five miles together. Mm. And you, and you think about how, you know, you touch people and I, I, I don't I never thought about it this way, but I think people sort of resonated with the story. And so I've got to meet just a, a, just a, amazing people through the journey mm-hmm. and people reach out to you and they're like, how'd you do it? And I'm, I help, if someone wants I help everyone, right? They want to know. And, and it's funny, right? So, you know, for, for work, I remember being at a, at a, we had a, like a big meeting where everyone flies in and I hadn't seen everyone for a while and people are like, damn. And they lean in, they go, are, are you sick? <laughs> I mean, mean, it was amazing to me how many people, Uh like I, which I hadn't seen regularly, would be like the first response was, "Are you sick?" Mm -hmm. And I'd sort of laugh. It's funny you laughed, right? Because I'd laugh and I'd be like, "Am I sick? I've never felt better." Mm -hmm. But people's reaction was, "Well, you lost a lot of weight. You must be sick." and I said, no, I said, I and for the record, I mean, this is a podcast. People can't see you, but it's not like you look gaunt or anything like that. You, you, you look fit, dude. You look like Lance Armstrong right now. I, you know? <laughs> like, you... <laughs> I don't know what I look like right now, but it's, I'm, you know, I'm wiping the tears away yeah. still from that. Uh, it was a, you know, it wasn't, listen, it was an emotional experience, but it's, uh, you know, I, I think what happens when you go out and you do any type of ultra event that, you know, the real you comes through. Right, mm-hmm. it's r- the raw emotional you comes through. I mean, you just get to that point. It's coming out for better or worse when you do something like that—the <laughs> good and the bad. The good and the bad, right? But people will like, you know, people are like, "How'd you do it?" They want to know how you did it, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, "Listen, 
I watched this movie called Forks Over Knives. I went plant-based, hunt all in. Um, energy went through the roof. I recovered well. And, you know, it's funny. I remember uh, someone was, at, was asking me afterwards. They sort of wanted to do an interview. And <laughs> they asked, uh, hey, you're going to go back. You're going to go back to the way you used to eat. Mm-hmm. And I, went, I looked at them funny. And I said, Let, let's see. I've dropped 50 pounds. My cholesterol dropped like a rock. I feel as good as I've ever felt in my life. I went from running two miles to running 163 miles in a really short period of time. I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. Why would I? I'm not going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the question comes up with me a lot. Like, oh, well, you know, you're you're stabilized now. You, you know, what's wrong with having you know a piece of fish once a week, or you know, why don't you just do the paleo diet now, or something like that? And I'm like, why would you? backtrack on the thing that absolutely changed everything about your life yeah i just listen make effort for me and i'm not i don't people i'm not telling people what they should or shouldn't do but mm-hmm. you know a lot of people through this experience would reach out and say hey how'd you do it and i'd i'd tell them i'd say go watch the movie right first first thing go watch forks over knives digest the information and then call me and i'll tell you exactly what i eat right every meal i'll tell you exactly what i eat when I go to the supermarket, this is what I buy. And, um, you know, the, I, if I can give back and help other people to uh, make a positive change in their lives that I think is going to help them from a health aspect long term, then I'll help you out. Call me up and I'll tell you mm-hmm. exactly how I do it. And I, and I think the challenge is in today's world is like, how do I do it with my lifestyle? Right. Like people always want to know because I, I eat out with clients all the time. It's just part of my job. And then people are like, hey, I mean, a lot of my colleagues, how do you do it when you got to do like the steak dinner thing? And I mm-hmm. say, well, it's pretty simple. I go, I sit down and then they're going, the waiter or waitress is going around taking our orders. And I'm, I, I tell everyone, I'm like, Shh, okay, I, I'm going to order. Right. And I want, every, I want everyone to listen to my order so that when I'm done, you can make fun of me. Uh-huh. And I'll say to them, I'll say, listen, this, I'm, I'm on a big health kick right now. Um, this is how I'm eating. Can you do this for me? Can you make me a huge green salad? And whatever vegetable you have in the kitchen, put it on. Extra avocado, put it on. I'll take it all. No dressing, just that's what I'd like. Can you do that mm-hmm. for me? And God, they make the most amazing salads, right? They uh-huh. put everything on there. And well, so the chef's probably so excited because he gets to do something different for a change. Yeah, well, the, and so the people at the table, they all uh, laugh, and, and, and then they go, so, uh, yeah, you've dropped a lot of weight. You look good. So tell me more about this. And for like the next hour mm-hmm. at dinner, that's all they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know? That's so interesting. That's a great strategy. I, I actually... I, I often do the opposite of that, which is like slink away and pull the waiter aside, like in a quiet moment when no one's looking. So, because I don't want to be the guy who's drawing attention to myself at the meal. And I think part of that is what you just alluded to, which is this idea of, I don't want to be in the position of telling people what they should or shouldn't be doing or to present myself in a way where I'm up on a pedestal. Like I'm, I'm sort of being, uh, you know, this presumption of like, oh, I'm better than you because I'm not going to order this or something like that. Like I'm very attuned to 
that social dynamic. And that's heightened when you're in a work situation or if there's like an extended family situation, like it can go left on you. So it can, but you have to be really it's who judicious. I, it's who you are right now. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm like, this is what I'm ordering. And I don't tell people that they should eat like this. If they want to, I'll help them. I'll tell them like how I, how I went through my journey. But uh, it's funny, like I was, I was flying out here last night, right? And when you're on the road, it, it's tough. It's hard, yeah. Right? So I, we're at the airport, and uh, I go to the, there's, I don't know, whatever, six, seven different places to get food at. None of it's really what mm -hmm. I normally eat. So I go to this one place, and I, I buy, I, have, I take the I two apples, I have three bananas, a big bottle of water, and the guy goes, uh, hey, nice. He's like, you like fruit, huh? It's like, yeah, I eat plant-based. And he's like, yeah. He goes, most people, they come up, they two brownies, three cookies. Uh -huh. And he's like, he's like, go ahead. He, extra apple on the house. Last night, literally, nice. he goes, take an extra uh -huh. apple for me. So I, that's what, <clears throat> you know, I had fruit on the plane last yeah, night. Yeah, that's cool. The airports are getting better slowly. Uh, they are getting better. LAX, there's a Real Food Daily restaurant in the American Airlines terminal now. Yep. You can get your green juice. You can get your plant-based meal, a whole deal, and bring it on the plane. Yeah, but you just, you know. Newark's you, got some great stuff. I mean, every time, every time I go, I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, there's a, little, there's a new place. I wasn't there before. You got up, you just got it, but you got a plan. You do, you definitely do you got a plan so like you know when the more people are like what do you have for breakfast and i i was talking to a buddy of mine Stu, this morning he's like what do you what'd you have for breakfast i made it a vitamix man i make it a juice i mm -hmm. load it up everything just whatever i got i put it in there and that's what i have what about uh oh, it takes too much time oh. too expensive you know what's funny about it you know so a couple things, right? When you cut meat out of your diet, it's amazing how your supermarket bills actually drop, right? Because meat, meat's pretty expensive. So, um, yeah, you can buy a lot of fruit and vegetables, man, yeah. for not that much, right? And uh, and we go and we go through it. I mean, we just we juice we juice stuff all the time, and I'll make extra and I'll, I'll bring it in, and uh, you know we do make. Actually, the food mate, my wife, my wife is fantastic, man. She just, she cooks up big lentil, big mm -hmm. lentil meal. It's just great. Really good. And how do you manage it with, I mean, that's the other thing we have in common. We both have four kids. Yep. So how does that color how, uh, you know, you, you talk to the kids about nutrition, what they get fed, what they, what the kids do when they're at a friend's house and all of that? You know, it's funny. Like we, so this is, this is, this whole, uh, switch is still relatively new. Uh, for me, but it's we don't enforce it upon our kids, but I'll tell you what they do They see how you eat and they they start to gravitate to it So, you know if if I if I, if I was at my house right now and I, I said to the kids Hey, I'm gonna make get the Vitamix and this will sound weird to probably a lot of people listening But I'm gonna I'm gonna take the beets and make a huge beet juice Man, the kids love the beet juice, mm -hmm. right? It's like red and they, they love it they love it. Now, they, if you had said to them before this, hey, I'm going to make some beet juice, they probably wouldn't. They'd look at, no, not a chance in the world. But so they sort of, they start to watch what you do mm -hmm. and they start to follow along. So we don't force upon our kids uh, completely, but they're, they gravitate that mm -hmm. way. Yeah, that's pretty similar to the strategy that we've used. I mean, not that it's a strategy. I mean, it's not like we're attempting to do anything other than live our lifestyle, but it starts with the example that you set in the home. You know, you can't transmit something you haven't got. So you can't, you can't be a parent telling your kid to eat healthy if you're, you know, sneaking Fritos and 
at night, you know, the kids know what's up and, and to not make a rule around it takes all the charge out of it. You know what I mean? If you, if you make a rule, then there's something to rebel against. But if you just eat healthy and you sort of do more and more and more of that, the kids will come around and they're going to go do whatever they're going to do, but they're armed with the tools and they have the resources at home. Yeah, you you know what you sort of you try and set an example and uh, you give them the choice, and you know what I what we're finding is that given the choice, they lean more towards some of the stuff that we're eating now. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. it's uh, it's nice to see. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, people. I, I look back over the last eighteen months, and you say, you know, like what was it? Where what what what, what was the catalyst? Not so much for getting started, but for what transpired, it was it was switching to the plant based diet. Mm-hmm. It always goes back to that for me. It's I mean, it was like I mean I, I it was October. I started plant based. Again, the weight comes off, the energy goes through the roof, and these, these series of events that just sort of came together right and i wasn't look i wasn't i didn't wake up and go hey I, i'm gonna I be want, an athlete i want to go yeah. run an ultra i want to yeah. run 160 i had yeah. no even concept but it comes together and then it, then you kind of get to like where we are now and you're like well what what's next uh-huh yeah. so i want to hear about what's next but one one kind of thought i wanted to share on that that comment that you just made is you know somebody would will say to me well Maybe you'd be faster if you ate this or that and the other. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know that to be true, you know, because all I know is what I do. But I can tell you one thing for sure, which is I never would have done Ultraman. I never would have done Epic 5 if I hadn't switched my diet to a plant-based diet because that was the thing that changed everything. That was the thing that gave me the energy to even be interested in it and to even entertain the possibility of pursuing it to begin with. That's so true, man. I'm just, I mean, that's what it is. It's like, you know, I don't, you don't know what you're capable of, but for me, and this is, I'll just speak for myself, right? But switching to the, to a plant-based kind of whole food diet just worked, right? It just clicked in all, in all aspects of my life. And, uh, um, I, I pay a lot of tribute to that. Mm-hmm. So what is next? Mm, what's next? Other than getting, uh, by the way, you're sitting here in your cycling kit. <laughs> you guys are on your way. I forgot to even say that. You're <laughs> on your way to Santa Barbara and just basically stopped in to go to the bathroom and fill your water bottles. Yeah, I, I hoodwinked you into this podcast. So I got to get you guys back on the road here. But uh, it's a, Yeah, I haven't been on a bike in a long uh, time, right? Because I've been running and a long time. And we flew in last night and a buddy of mine was like, hey, you know what, you, you want to ride up to Santa Barbara. It's 100 miles. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... I remember I reached out to you. I was like, "Hey, I'm coming into LA. I just I'd like to say hello in person. I really appreciate you mm-hmm. reaching out to me when I did that that run." So we're uh, we're riding up up to Santa. I was Park. like, "Perfect! You're gonna have to kind of dr- ride by my house anyway." Dude, for so. people that don't know, it is yeah. extraordinarily hilly to get to Ritual's yeah. house. <laughs> 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 There's some steep yeah, hills. That's good for you. Um, yeah. So uh, what's next? You know, we've got a couple things that we're working on or thinking about for events that are coming up this summer. Um, mm-hmm. Lisa, uh, who helped do some coaching for me last year, she's doing this. She's doing an epic, epic event this summer. She's going to do a uh, 
four-time quad crossing of bad water. Oh, my God. Yeah. Having just crewed that race, uh, I just... I can't even fathom that. Yeah, she's she raises uh, money for she's called Bad Water for Good Water, mm-hmm. raising money for uh, clean water around the world, and she's just, she's just an amazing, amazing woman, and I, I I appreciate everything that she did to help me, and so I, I reached out to her and said I want I want to get involved in that, so mm. I'm gonna get involved in. Helping. I wonder if they're um you know how they the death. Death Valley National Park yeah. is not permitting any events in there, so I wonder if that's going to create a well, this issue. Is, I don't think it's not an event. It's just her. Right. It's just her running. Her doing it. So uh, I think I'm going to go out and and uh, do do part a part of that. Wow, very you cool. Um, but again, it's uh, four times. That's crazy, dude. You have nine. <laughs> I was going to say you have no idea, but I think you do have an idea. I don't know. I don't know if I'll do the whole four time. I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like to do it. So I just, I just started really kind of cranking the training up again Mm -hmm. right here. And, um, you know, you go back to the recipe to accomplish anything. And number one, it's have a big goal, right? Have something that inspires you. That's big, right? And you may not finish it or accomplishment. That's okay. Right. But it's the journey that you go through that I think people, uh, that you cherish. So have a big goal, uh, have a plan, mm-hmm. right? Having a plan is important. I didn't know what I was doing getting started, but I had great support and great, great mentors that gave me a strategy and a plan to get through it. And, um, and you got to persevere because you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to have setbacks. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. Um, but if you do those things and you ask for help, you can accomplish people rally around you. Mm-hmm. People rally around big goals. Yeah, no question about it. You know, I'll tell you, I'll read, I'll read you a little quote here. I was talking to a colleague of mine, Jeff, the other day, and uh, we were having this exact same conversation here around big goals. And he gets up and he walks, he just walks out of the room and he, he comes back and he goes, Did you read Esquire this month? I said, No. He goes, There's this guy. Greg Allman, right? And it's talking about people who are afraid to sing right. in public. And he goes, he Greg Allman, Allman Brothers, Greg Allman. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, okay, so here it is. Here's the quote. He's like, you got you to gotta come across the barrier. So many people out there can probably sing pretty well. All they need to do is just drop the inhibitions. That's why most people do their singing in the shower. And, of course, when you get drunk, you don't give a shit. So you find a way to say, I don't give a shit who's listening, and you sing for the gods. You know, and it's the, that's about singing, but it's about everything in life, right? You just got to get across the barrier and sing for the gods. Hmm. I got to tell you, man, I could Vulcan mind meld with you for the next five hours, <laughs> but I can't think of a better uh, note to end this on. That was beautiful. All right. Thanks for being here. Hey, man, thanks it. so much. Uh, you're an inspiration, and... Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to sit down with you and, and share your story, man. And I can't wait to see what you're up to next. It all it all started going online and reading plant-based and ultra. And what did I find? I found a rich role. I know. Here we are, man. And here we are. Light and fires. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, buddy. Bye. Peace. Plants. Okay, people, that's our show this week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more about Adam and his mission... You can find that out by going to whywerun.com, W-H-Y-W-E-R-U-N.com. 
Listen, everybody, it's time to become the CEO of your own life. Be the movie star of your own movie. Be the quarterback of your own existence. You heard Adam say it, dream big. So make no small plans. Create a plan around that dream that you want to actualize in your own life and then start to execute on it. That's the message. That's the theme of today's episode. You want to learn more about uh, what I'm up to, go to richroll.com. If you're going to shop on Amazon, visit the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. Click through that. Amazon kicks us some loose change, helps keep the lights on. does not cost you an extra penny. So thanks, you guys, for uh, all the support, everybody who's been using it. If you're inspired by Adam's message, as I am, it was like looking in a mirror. Definitely check out Forks Over Knives, the documentary. You can get it on Netflix or Amazon. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Roll, R-I-C-H-R-O-L-L, Facebook, uh, all the good places. You can find me there and uh, lots of good products coming your way that we're developing for richroll.com. But we have some nutritional supplement products there. I've got a downloadable cookbook, a meditation program, and some other cool stuff. So check that out. And uh, I'm going to come back to you next week another great guest so get out there get it done make your life happen and i'll catch up with you next week thanks you guys peace Yay.